0: Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael and we're here tonight with a special bonus edition of Show & Tell. The Show & Tell show is where we bring on a cool guest and we talk about the cool thing they're working on. Tonight my cool guest is the three gents from the Tabletop Journeys podcast, Josh, Glenn, and Lee Wanika. And the cool thing we're going to talk about is they're currently running Kickstarter, a multiverse of subclasses. And I will note there are 12 of them, which is objectively the best number, so you, I'm already on board. Josh, Quinn, Leonica, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, Michael, thanks so thanks much for having much, us. Michael. You know, when you were on our show, uh, it seems so long ago now that you were know, on our show. I know, I almost I don't remember idea. it. I was, uh, you, I, you, have I was, you lost weight? Yeah. Well, thank you, I appreciate it. Did you do, do something new with the hair? <laughs> I, I really wish. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, thank you very much for having us. Really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely a pleasure. So uh, just in case people aren't familiar with your show... So let's start there. So you are the Tabletop Journeys people, um, and also for voices. So we'll start with you, Josh. Just say kind of hi, and then tell us a little bit about your
1: show. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Josh uh, from the Tabletop Journeys. I'm the resident technical guy. Our show is, uh, well, it's a lot like the RPG Academy, frankly. You know, it's a we do a lot of deep dives into a variety of different uh, different concepts and things that are happening in the tabletop role-playing game space. Uh, we love talking to indie creators uh, and people that have their own awesome thing uh, going on in the space right now. Uh, we really love uh, the community because the community has given so much to us over the years. Really, what our podcast is there for is to go ahead and uh, give voice to other people doing awesome things in the community. So,
0: All right, Very cool. And again, welcome here. So Glenn, say I let everybody hear your voice, and then you just tell me something you want me to know.
2: All right. I'm Glenn. One of the uh, other hosts of Tabletop Journeys, uh, where we have a great time talking about amazing things with amazing people, as Josh already said. Uh, Something I think that Michael should know. I think that Michael should know that while Josh regularly tells everyone we directly stole that idea from the RPG (laughs) Academy and we're proud of it. One of my absolute favorite things about my job is when we get to take one of those indie content creators, have them come on our show and have them run the game us as players Isn't that we great? have done it's quite so a fun. few of those and they're so much fun and yeah. they, you get such a great feel and taste for the game that's it's incredible All
0: right. so um so i know you've been doing it for a while and i don't want you to pick favorites but i actually do want you to pick a favorite if someone's not familiar with your show but they do like what we do with the trials that's very similar what's the one series they should go listen to to get a good <sighs> grasp of what you bring to the table in that space
2: Oh, see. Now the one I want to say immediately that comes to mind is the real thing because it's one of my favorites that we've run. It is, however, let's, let's give that a content warning for kind of adult (laughs) content because that's the way that game is run. But I'll give you a second one also in case you uh, aren't after any kind, any mature content at all. Babies and Broadswords mm, was are the two far that more imagine, fun yeah. than, uh, I mean, when I first heard of it, I was like, okay, what's Babies and it's It was so much fun. It's like, nice. it's like D&D spread across either Rugrats or Muppet Babies, both at the uh, same time. Sometimes. Okay. Huge, huge, huge good time. And you'll enjoy both of those episodes tremendously.
0: Fantastic. And then the third voice that you probably already heard in the cacophony of that intro is Lee Wanika. So Lee Wanika, say hi, tell us a little bit about yourself. And then some random fact
3: that you'll share with strangers on the internet. Hello, students of the Academy. (laughs) Now, um, I'm Lee Wanika, and I'm one of the three hosts of Tabletop Journeys, as you've just heard. Um, I love this podcast life that we live. Um, I frequently post that hashtag on Twitter
2: um,
3: (laughs) because there's something about this being able to creatively talk about things, being able to create things, discuss content, discuss ideas, you know, one of the, my favorite things we do on the show is really just talk about the hobby itself yeah. and how to be good ambassadors for the hobby. You know, we are very much anti-gatekeeping. We are very much about inclusion and just and celebrating content that celebrates that is important to us. Um, some of our best shows are where uh, things may even get a little meta. And they talk about some of those real world issues, but still come back to the fact, and we had fun. So it's Mm. like you can do the the right things and still have fun. It is possible, and I love when we're able to bring that out of our shows, when we're able to talk about that in content, and steer somebody to see something that they might not have seen until they heard heard about it on our show.
0: Yeah, so very, very near and dear to my heart, because as I would of course say that if you were having fun.
3: You're doing it right. right? it, right. Doing it right. Okay, great. Yeah.
0: yeah. So again, where can people find your show? I'm sure it's on all the regular podcast places, but is there a specific place you go? Also any Twitter, social media you like people to come check out?
1: Absolutely. So obviously search for tabletop journeys, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, if we're, we're on all the platforms and if we're not on your platform of choice, you can reach us uh, by going to www.ttjourneys.com or we're on Twitter at TT journeys. We're on Facebook at TT journeys. We're, Pretty much anyway, if you look for TT Journeys, you're going to find
0: us. Right. And then do you have an email for people to contact you if they want to send you a nice note about an episode they listen to?
1: Oh, we would love for people to do that. They can email us directly at podcast.ttjourneys.com.
0: Fantastic. So I, you know, I had the pleasure of being on your show recently. Uh, You had me on to run a session of Action 12 Cinema or facilitate since it's technically a GMless game. Had a ton of fun. We've actually started interacting more on, on Twitter and I've really enjoyed the back and forth that we had. We we both saw some mass effect in the Radiant Citadel uh, yeah, book. Yeah. So I, I love, I've, if nothing else, I feel like we're related now because of that. Uh, <laughs> Lee Wanika is a big Smallville fan. He's going to be on Farm to Fable next season. So I definitely feel that the tabletop journeys and RPG Academy families are merging. It's going to be a hell of a cookout this year.
1: Yes. Yeah,
0: but absolutely. If If anyone's listening, likes what we do, Check out their show. Uh, I'm not going to say there's copyright infringement involved, <laughs> but there's a heavy overlap of the type of stuff that we do. But what I will give you credit for is you do a lot more of the actual mechanical deep dives because I am not capable of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to get the stuff you get from us, but you're also going to get a little bit more. I'm sure Caleb wishes that we did more of that because that's his <laughs> thing, but I never let him. Um, so you're going to get more deep dives into the mechanics of different uh, classes and that kind of thing. Uh, And then specifically, the reason we're here tonight is we're going to talk about their currently running Kickstarter, which is basically built on that. You do a lot of these deep dives into the mechanics of different classes and roles and abilities, and you found a niche. Maybe There's an opportunity to explore some things. Uh, So I'm going to start with you, Lewiniko. Give me the the big pitch. What is a multiverse of subclasses?
3: A multiverse of subclasses is taking... The character classes, the 13 character classes, specifically the original 12, all of the subclasses that have come out in 5e from the player's handbook all the way up to the most recent publications, Tasha's, Strixhaven, uh, so on and so forth, and saying, but there's more. We haven't explored every corner for each of these classes. So what we did is we didn't take any one class and explore all of the remaining corners. What we did is we took each of the classes and we explored one corner that has as of yet not been covered. So the subclasses that are out there, many of them are fantastic or amazing at what they do. There are some others that are not quite there. The bulk of them are very serviceable. They work, they do the job that they were set out to but there's narrative. Availability narrative weight, narrative story that is yet untapped, and what we did with the multiverse of subclasses is we reached into our brains and pulled out some of those uh, some of those narratives uh, and specifically we broke them into four different groups, three classes each, one subclass for each of those classes, but we uh, themed them, so we've got four themes we 've got one which is the metropolitan so urban areas very underserved in DD 5e in general but we did three subclasses that are very much themed around an urban cityscape type of theme and they can work whether you're doing more renaissance era DD style or you're still playing that medieval style it's just wherever there's a large number of people among too many buildings that are packed just a little bit too tightly these are the kinds of subclasses that will flourish in that environment And really bring out some great stories at your table. We do the same thing with Outlanders. If you're in the hinterlands, you're out in the wild, whatever the environment may be, but away from those big metropolitan areas, we've got three subclasses that are going to really serve that niche. They're going to help you with that exploration avenue. They're going to help you take on some things that D&D has of yet not covered at all, if not well. And that's kind of where that is we then go to and I will kick this one to Glenn because it's a campaign setting that he's run at his homebrew tables that is so amazing that I can't wait for people to really hear about the Land of the
2: Boiling Seas. Okay, so the three characters from the land that are in the category the Boiling Seas, uh they were developed around what's going to eventually be a published I hope Domain of Dread entitled the Boiling Seas, but basically those three character types are really going to fit in well into any nautical campaign. You know, you got anything Pirates of the Caribbean or anytime throughout history. Pirates of Darkwater. Exactly. Pirates yes. of Darkwater. Um, honestly, they could translate reasonably well in the spelljammer that just came out too. So mm-hmm. that could be, that could be handy. The Boiling Seas itself, it's kind of a, the center of an apocalypse. It's got scooped out of a planet. So the shattered land into an archipelago. And it's called the Boiling Seas because literally Magman stuff is still leaking beneath the surface and various sections of the ocean boil and kill oh. anything in them. But I can't give you more than a teaser about that because <laughs> we're not anywhere near ready on it. That's right, but the I'm Boiling like Seas will serve you well in a nautical <laughs> environment.
3: Sure. And then following that, we have the Shadow Dwellers, born out of uh, some of the stories in the Adventure Hooks in our last big publication the Traveler's Guide to the Multiverse, the Shadow Dwellers are a series of subclasses that are delving into the power of shadows. There are some similarities to realms that uh, outside of um, the specific game licenses, you don't mention on paper, but these will work very well. Yeah. If anything shadow themed, (laughs) Uh, if there are particular elven subraces that are from these shadowy realms, You'll you'll know that these are the types of things that work well with that.
0: Yeah. All right. So, Glenn, um, I'm going to go to you next again, just because I know Josh is the normal co-host is probably dying to talk. And I'm going to draw that out as long as possible. (laughs) Which is your favorite class and why is it wizard?
2: Which is my favorite class and why is it wizard? well wizard happens to be my favorite class oh, and the course. reason i knew i liked you the best. wizard has to be my favorite class is because i loved writing the wind finder subclass for it okay um which is kind of like a deck wizard on a ship somebody who really focuses on harnessing the elements and of nature and wind and or you know et cetera, weather to uh either defend or get you out of the doldrums, either one, but the Windfinder was a whole lot of fun. And I think that people are really going to like it when it, uh, when it comes out with, uh, with the book here in a bit.
0: All right. So Josh, I'm going to come to you later. So Lee, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. All right, I'm just kidding. So, so I go to you, Josh. So the, the, Again, I'm the person that doesn't care about mechanics because I'm not smart enough and then I just claim it's that I don't care because I'm actually insecure about my uh, limited abilities here. Yeah, yeah. But the first thing that comes out anytime you look at these third-party published classes, abilities, whatever is, is it going to be balanced? If I bring one of these in, is it just going to be a significantly better choice? So – is it a significantly better choice to play one of these? And if not, what have you done to try to ensure that it's not just better than the standard ones?
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, it is really easy to go ahead and make a subclass that is stronger than every other subclass. Like, that's that's easy. The hard work is making sure that it does fit into everything else and that it is uh, mechanically similar. Uh, not mechanically similar, but it uh, it is... It, it, it can stand on its own without being overpowering with every other group that's out there, right? Um, and to be honest, that's actually why this project, this Kickstarter began with subclasses as its core is because as Lee Winick alluded to earlier, we, we just put out a book not long ago, uh, The Traveler's Guide to the Multiverse, that specifically did not have any subclasses in it. Um, and we had started talking about the subclasses that are now in this publication, but realized that to do them right, to make sure that they were going to be balanced, it was going to need a lot more play testing and everything than we kind of had the bandwidth for at that point in time. And so that pretty, I don't know, about midway through that project, we were like, you know what, let's not put the subclasses in this book. Let's, let's take the time. Let's take a step back and make sure that we do them right. We also, we didn't have like a full set of 12 either. And like the kind of the more that, once we kind of like crossed over six, it was like, well, we've got seven and seven's a weird number. So we don't want to do seven subclasses. We really, if we're going to do more than six, we should do all 12. And um, and so we really took that time to kind of step back and really take a really objective look at what these subclasses do and make sure that they're balanced. And, and I mean, there's playtesting, there's more playtesting coming. It's going to be very much focused on making sure that these subclasses work. But the big thing that we do, because we are very much a a story over rules kind of group, right? That's that's very much we we want to tell compelling stories. We want to tell good narrative more than anything else. Uh, and so, when looking at the mechanics that are behind these subclasses, they really fuel the stories that we want these subclasses to tell. Like you know, for example, like um, uh, you were talking about the Windfinder Wizard. One that I want to talk about is the paladin class, the Oath of Loyalty. And the Oath of Loyalty is basically that's that right-hand man to the person that's in charge. That paladin is never going to be the man. He is always the man that gets things done. And so his uh, or their uh, abilities serve kind of that purpose. So it's not like they're a paladin that can just do more damage all the time or hit harder or hit more often or anything like that it's really the the powers and the abilities that that class gets are really served to making sure that work gets done and organization and how can he support the team and how can he go ahead and do everything like that. So it's much more of a support tune uh, than anything else. And so like those are the kind of stories that we're using the mechanics to go ahead and tell.
0: All right. So... And, and i truly mean this and not in a better or worse but can you give me an example of an existing subclass feature and then the equivalent for one of yours like the same class just to give me an idea of of how it works mechanically and the flavor and be anyone that you want to you know to show off
1: man so boy that's a really great question so i have my i moments. guess yeah yeah so I, I instead of talking about kind of like one kind of subclass feature, I want to talk about the Ranger class, right? So this okay. is one that was in our Outlander class, um, and I'm going to steal Lewinika's fire a little bit because, you know, the Beast Mind is a class that Lewinika wrote. And from the moment that I saw kind of saw this in its early infancy idea stage, I loved it because it is a, it is a Ranger class that looks to go ahead and address kind of two very specific things that 5e Rangers struggle with. But the big thing is uh, addressing sort of how does a ranger with an animal companion function, kind of addressing that rule gap. Because that was something that was so strong in earlier editions of D&D, specifically second edition and third edition. The the companions that the rangers got were versatile. They were useful. They had lots of uh, kind of abilities and everything like that. They were that real. Were really useful. They were real, right? You know? You know, and so that was that was something that we really tried to target with this particular subclass. Um, and we thought that the best way to go ahead and do that was to go ahead and put out a ranger with psionic feel. So it's not just a a kind of like a nature. I can train my animal, but that there is actually truly a connection between the ranger and their companion. And it really it um it, we say this this kind of like compliment on our show all the time. But man, does the beast mind? It sings. It just like. There's something about the way that the psionic abilities and the the animal companion abilities that 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 subclass gets that really just just it just it really jives. If I you know anybody that's kind of done any any sort of writing or anything like that, like uh, any any kind of artistic ar- endeavor, like you know when you get it right. You know, like there's a lot of people that do a lot of creative things like, oh, this isn't my best or whatever like that. But you also, you really know when you've got it
0: right. And that's one that I, we really got right. So you mentioned you had another publication came out not too long ago. So remind me of that one again.
3: Traveler's Guide to the Multiverse.
0: All right. So that one is it's on DMs Guild, right? That is correct. Okay. Correct. So why then Kickstarter for this one? Like, what's the difference about this? Or what was the thought process behind going to Kickstarter this time, but not that time sort of a thing?
1: Sure. Who wants to take this one? Because that, that's, a, that's a great question, and there are several is, reasons for it. Yeah,
3: There are a lot of reasons. I'll take one of those. I think part of it is connection with uh, our audience. You know, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that casual purchasers of TTRPGs aren't aware of. But when you set up something on DMs Guild, which is a great company, uh, I appreciate what they've provided us, both as a purchaser and as a content creator one of the things you don't get is an idea of who's buying your product Mm -hmm. they also have a strange rule at least i find it strange content creators can't comment so if content creators are out there buying things the the people who are most likely to give positive or constructive feedback they're prevented from doing so Mm. which is frustrating from a person who's trying to grow in their craft because there's no way I get better at this without hearing feedback from the people who are consuming the content that we, that I create.
0: I can see the reasoning behind that from the worst case scenario, but that sure. feels like punishing everybody to, for the one bad
3: apple. or the situation. bad apples. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and I get it. So it's like, I throw no shade because I understand the decision, but at the same time, we're cut off from that a bit. With a Kickstarter, because there's a little bit more in the back of the house tools where we get to see who's getting it. We have more direct interaction with our audience, provided they allow for that or they want that, Um, you know, we're not spammers that allows us to better tailor future projects. You know, if we know that these are where people were came to us from, uh, then we know where we can kind of say, okay, we can get more things there so we can get more eyes on our content. Marketing is hard. We're not marketers <laughs> by nature. Um, I, I, I have I have done sales and, and, uh, and have moved away from it and moved back to it. It is a skill set I possess, but it is not something I do as a nine to five. And I certainly don't do it in the digital space. So it, it is something that we are learning. We have built a pretty good team, both amongst the podcast itself, uh, a fantastic team amongst podcasts, um, but we've built a strong team uh, outside of the podcast to help us kind of put everything together and get things going, uh, as well as we surround ourselves by exquisite content creators, uh, fantastic individuals who have nothing but good constructive advice on how to proceed in this business. Like if we have, when we had questions on podcasting, um, you know, Josh asked you a lot of questions <laughs> when we first got started and, and uh you know advice that we we sometimes followed, mostly followed. Um you know, there's some advice I'm never gonna listen to you about. You know, don't go to convention. Um, actually,
0: this is when we're gonna reel this is actually just an intervention. This isn't about the Kickstarter Lee, you cannot start your own convention.
3: <laughs> I've been Shanghai. I tell you. Right. Shanghai checks in the mail, Michael. <laughs>
1: appreciate that. Thanks. Sorry.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but but You know, seriously, we've just we have found ourselves in this amazingly blessed position to be surrounded by great people and reaching out to great people, the community for all the ills that people talk about on Twitter. And there are some things on there that are bad, but I can tell you, I have found a a great niche within the TTRPG community that when I post things, I get nothing but love and support from the folks that are around me. And I try to bring that back to them. So that's kind of why we went Kickstarter with this one and probably why most of our projects, as long as the open game license allows us, um, will continue to be that way because of that better ability to connect with the people who are consuming the
2: content. It's also um, okay. a big difference in terms of acceptable distribution. Anything yep. you put on DMs Guild is stays 100% only DMs Guild. You're not allowed to sell it anywhere else. Um, you can't take something you've been selling somewhere else and bring it to DMs Guild. So if you DMs Guild, you only DMs Guild. And it was great for us to get started. Yeah. But in moving on into more content creation and trying to take ourselves to the next level of publication and putting out better products, Kickstarter also makes the most sense because it allows us the flexibility to do what we want with our product after we after successful completion of the Kickstarter. It can still get on it can still go on drive through RPG. We can still also sell it on our own site, or publish it in other locations, or submit it to other other companies. But you can't if you do that. If you stay on DM's Guild, that's all you can do with it.
3: Yeah, yeah. Drive through RPG is a is a legitimate possibility, probability for the future yep. home of our projects. The only thing you'll see from us on DM's Guild, because we do appreciate DM's Guild for what it is valued for, is when you have specific content that cannot operate outside of that things like name brand things, Eberron. If I want to do something about Warforge, I've got yeah. to go DMs Guild with it. Mm-hmm. If I want to do Dragonlance, if we want to do Dragonlance, by the way, we There's are- There's a story about the Kickstarter in there. <laughs> There's a story about Dragonlance in the Kickstarter, which I'll let Josh get to. But um, and we're going to yeah. do Dragonlance content. That's going yeah. to be on DMs Guild. So we're not abandoning that platform by any, any means, but we are using it for what it is best right. valued for and we are utilizing other platforms for what they're better about
1: value. I mean, I, I love using DM's Guild. I, I I have a habit of you know writing subclasses at two o'clock in the morning that really aren't fit for public consumption, or they're, they boil down to basically fart jokes. And and so DM's Guild is perfect for that. You know, like I wrote a uh, I wrote a paladin subclass. You, you probably didn't even hear about that. I wrote a paladin subclass that's all based on on Rickrolling people. You know, I, I yeah the, yes. the 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 order of Rickroll. Um, uh, it was you know uh yes the, the, yeah, so yeah. that the and, other day, It's it's really just a joke. Like I don't actually, you know what I mean. But it's like uh it's like okay, yeah, I'll put it up there for ninety nine cents and see if anybody wants to go ahead and buy it. And
0: you know, their oaths are they will never give that's you. That's actually up. one of the tenants. The, yeah, the, the, the tenants is that
1: they will never give yeah. you up. Yep. They will never let you down. They will never run around and hurt you. Right? Yeah, totally. That, that's the tenants of the of the subclass. So
0: you know, awesome. I'm with
3: you. <laughs> <laughs> I picked up on that. Why? Because if there's a rickroll, I will walk into that yeah. thing eyes wide open. Oh yeah, I do it every time. That song still slaps.
0: I'll I'll just listen to it. You don't have to trick me. You can say hit this button and listen to that song. Yeah. I'm like I'm there. <laughs> but I'll do some self serving um, public or uh, marketing now because I I hope that there's a few people who generally listen to you that will come to my show yeah. to hear the interview with you. I will plug that I have a show that we do called TTRPG crowdfunding review where every couple of weeks we look at Kickstarters and now Backerkit and GameFound and Indiegogo, we look for yeah. crowdfunding campaigns. So while I'm no means an expert, I do look at a lot of crowdfunding campaigns and you did something that is sort of a faux pas. And I oh, want to ask wow. you why you did it because I'm sure there's a reason, but your Kickstarter is running much longer than the suggested number it of is. days it should run. And I'm curious as to what reason was.
1: Oh I, I have have being the one that totally kind of audibled that decision on the fly uh, i will I will take the, uh, the 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 credit and blame for that because you're absolutely right. We ran our campaign for almost sixty days, which is the maximum that you can run a Kickstarter campaign. I think it ran for like a total of like fifty four days or something like that um, and there were there were two reasons for that. One of them uh really big and one of them really small. Um the really small one is that uh Nika alluded to some of the community that we're involved with on on TTRPG, uh on Twitter in particular. And uh one of the creators who we absolutely love. I mean, we have had them on our show a bunch of times. We've been on we've been on shows with them a hundred times, but uh Kel and Scald from Awfully Queer Heroes uh put out fantastic supplements, first of all. They 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 turn around content. I don't know how they sleep. I don't know how they both have right? full-time jobs. Like they they put out like 200-page books – five times a year it's amazing i don't know how they do it um but uh they have a kickstarter coming up very soon um that sounds very very cool um uh, selenor's socketed items it's all about taking all the mis- the miscellaneous loot that you gather like the, the pendants and the rings and the, everything like that that wind up uh, uh kind of in your in your pouch that you never do anything with and being able to augment your armor and weapons with them kind of it spoke to me as kind of like a Diablo socketed weapon kind of thing, which I thought was really really cool. But the Kickstarter sounds that's, that's amazing pictured too. Yeah, but anyway, all will to go ahead and say that we were talking to them a lot about our Kickstarter and their Kickstarter and how can we support them and their Kickstarter launches. I think a week before ours ends. Um, so the small reason why we, uh, went ahead and do that is because we wanted to do some cross promotion and we had to make sure that our campaigns were running at the same time to go ahead and do that. Uh, and any chance that we have to go ahead and work with off the queer heroes, we will take, um, they're great. So that they're, cause they're amazing. Right. So that's kind of the small reason. The big reason though, was also kind of a, uh, a calculated, I wanted to go ahead and take a calculated risk on this because you're right. It, like, even Kickstarter says, hey, if you're running a campaign for longer than 30 days. Do you actually want to do this? Um, and really the reason is because we wanted to give uh, plenty of time through our campaign to do things just like this. We love bringing people onto our show to talk about awesome, the awesome thing that they're doing. Uh, and we have so much fun when we do that. And we also wanted to go ahead and give give ourselves the opportunity to go on other shows and talk about our awesome thing and have conversations just like this with other people. Because this is really where the magic is for us. This is what we love doing. We love talking to people about this hobby. So, you know, and we have found that there's been a bunch of times where people wanted to come on our show uh, and they'll be like, hey, you know, I'm running a Kickstarter. It ends in like eight days. Can I come on your show and talk about it? I was like, well, we would love to have you on our show. But there is no way that we're going to be able to go. You know, there's no way we're going to be able to find a time in the next eight days to have you on, edit your show and put it out. Like, sorry. Like that, that's just, you know. And so we wanted to make sure that we had enough time and, to do this.
0: And we've we've covered this on our show a lot. But again, I will restate it. If you're a content creator, you do need yeah. to do some marketing. You need to leverage podcast relationships, yeah. no matter how big or small. But you need yeah. to give us time. Like, really, yeah. six, eight is yeah. like the minimum amount of weeks that yeah. you need to be approaching. I get that you're close to finishing or close to an end goal. You're like, hey, I'll reach That's out. too late. <laughs> but it's just, you're yeah, really, it's too late. You know, even I, like I am, I'm sort of known as like I'm imbalanced person, is how quickly yeah. I can turn around shows, but I may not be able to schedule right. a recording that will give me the opportunity to turn around a show in two days or one day. So please make that part of your plan reach out to the shows you want to be on six to 12 weeks ahead of time. And you're much more likely to be successful. So my apologies. I stepped on your Josh there. Please finish what you were in. Yeah,
1: no, I mean, but really, but that's exactly kind of why we said, you know what, let's, let's just add some time to the campaign, right? Like, let's just like, what's the worst thing that can happen, right? Like that's, you know, like how, what's because we really didn't see any downside as long as we can go ahead and keep up the momentum and that we can go ahead and keep the excitement with the backers. And so, you know, what does that mean? That means on Saturdays, we're live on, we're out on Twitter. We're talking all the time with people out there about what's going on with the campaign, what's changed that week and everything like that. All of our backers get a weekly newsletter. Our, our work in progress Wednesday newsletter goes out, tells what's going on with the campaign. You know, what new art has been turned around by the fantastic Morgan Winter, who we're working with on this. You know, all these sorts of things, we're making sure to keep keep them updated with what's going on so that they know that we're just not like sitting back for 60 days waiting you know for this thing to end like we want this right. product to turn around almost by the time the campaign is done we want a very quick turnaround at the end of this because we don't want it right. to linger we want to make sure that these folks get the product in hand uh, in digital hand anyway as soon as possible right and so yeah it was it was very much a calculated uh a calculated risk uh, on some level and a lot of people that we had you know because again we reached out to some other creators and said hey here's our campaign uh tell me what we're doing wrong and the number of people that are like man your campaign is running for a really <laughs> long time are you sure you want to do that like yeah we'll put that away for a second yeah. because yes like we we realize it's our first one we may be making a mistake but here's why we're doing this and so
0: so as someone who's ran several though minor all oh, four conventions you kind of have to be a sadist in a way because that middle part <laughs> of the campaign is so right where we are. Yeah. hard yeah. And then all you've done is doubled the length of time your middle part is. So that, yeah. that's like my biggest sort of like, oh God, I just, I don't, I don't think it's a bad decision other than it's going to hurt your <laughs> will to hey, live you know, during those no, you you know, know what, four that, weeks in the yeah, middle. You're, you're not, so we
1: are right smack dab in the middle of our campaign right now. And so I understand the yep. pain that you are talking about right now, but honestly, every single time that I see somebody else back the campaign, every b- time somebody reaches out to me, like, it's like it's like Christmas at my house. It's amazing. I like, you know, like the confetti shoots and like skylights go off and an airplane flies over say, congratulations. It's fantastic. You know? Um, so really yeah. like, you know, yeah. we love it. Absolutely love it. So please be our next backer.
3: I would add that uh, when I showed uh, last Wednesdays, uh, two days ago, as we were, or a day ago, as we were recording, when I showed the update on the artwork to some folks at my office, and I only go into the office now that I'm out of the, uh, out of training. Once a week and I showed them, they're like, oh, my God, that is like, wow. Like it was good before, yeah. but wow. You know, um, so those updates are really amazing. Um, there is an, a second piece or a third piece rather uh, that makes the, the length of this uh, pretty um, helpful and beneficial to the project as a whole. And that is play test time. Yeah. Mm. Anybody else who's doing 12 subclasses would have to play test at, at, at some point. So we had the primary writing, the principal writing done on the on the twelve, twelve subclasses before we started.
0: <laughs> we'll um, that a
3: second. Second. Yeah. With, with with two exceptions, yeah, I, got yeah, yeah, a, yeah. I got a couple of questions
0: coming up on that. <laughs> yeah, there's so, a
3: couple exceptions to that rule, but uh, that Dragonlance story that we're going to get to is going <laughs> to yeah. expand expand that. We had to make a shift at some point, so we did, there was a little bit more writing that had to be done, but because the primary writing was largely complete. What we did know is it's going to take playtesting. That's a good four weeks, five weeks of playtesting. Because we have this extra long campaign, we can actually start this while the campaign is running. So our playtesting will be completed about the same time the campaign ends. That works out very well for the backers of this project. Because that means other than final revisions, it's pretty much going out once the campaign ends
2: end goals. and
3: that's something that we feel very yeah uh stretch goals are really the only thing that we're working at. and because we hit our first stretch goal uh last weekend uh we've actually gotten first drafts in on almost all of the material for that stretch goal um you know we're working on uh revisions uh and on that now and you know we're not very far from our next stretch goal by the way so there's some work that's going to be coming up from that. So the goal is that what, because we have this extra length of time, this is going to be a benefit to the backers. That means we're going to have more work complete when the campaign's done, so it, get, it goes out faster. Or it was a, it was definitely a decided plan to make sure we didn't have a two year time frame or a one year time frame or a six month time frame. We wanted to turn this around in days and weeks after the campaign. So we're looking really good towards that. Updates will be more specific as time goes, but I know all of my effort is to be working on this, uh, is to be working on uh, initial writing and things like that for the stretch goals that we've accomplished or the ones that we're coming up.
0: So there's a couple things there. Got some questions I wanna touch on. One, you mentioned your artist. So what's the artist's name again? Sure, so her name is Morgan Winter. Uh, She's uh, based out of Oklahoma.
1: Uh, and she's fabulous. Like seriously, go check out the campaign. Yeah,
0: and is she doing doing all of the art? So she did. She did
1: all the character art, all the portraits of the twelve subclasses. Uh, she's also doing our cover art, and uh, depending on other stretch goals that we hit, uh, we've been in talk with her that if we hit certain levels, that she may be doing some more art. So uh, you know, but that's what she's doing so far.
0: Okay. Um, and then I know Leonek could talked about the writing. So I assume you're the three principal writers. Do you have any other writers as part of the project or is it just you three and then the artist?
3: So it's the three of us doing the writing-ish. So Josh and I and Glenn, we all pitch our ideas. We all put them all in to, the, to a folder. And then we hold regular meetings where we go through and say, does it fit the theme? Does it not fit the theme? Do the mechanics seem to work? Does it hit the flavor notes that we're looking for to hit that type of thing? We basically edit communally. Uh, And then when we're done with that and we feel all the mechanics are right, this is the way we pretty much want it. It then goes through a process that we call Glenning or which is pretty close to a final revision. And that's where Glenn pretty much takes it from there. He takes my bullet points and outlines and turns them into prose, which is fit for human consumption. Mm-hmm. from that point there is an editing process we have utilized uh some some in-house editors which we credit they are people that we trust with uh content uh uh we trust Our their opinions on friends. things and they're really good <laughs> yeah they're family members and friends uh and friends who we've known as long as family <laughs> You know, uh, and they've done they did an amazing job on the last project, yeah. last two projects we've worked on where uh, they really helped us. They're the ones who aren't part of the writing that when you hand it to them, they can say,
2: yeah, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs>
3: yeah, because even if, if the three of us, like if I've been prattling on about an idea for months before I commit it to some kind of digital paper and then I write it up and then the three of us hash it out and. And move things around, or sometimes we'll take an ability, doesn't really fit this guy, but that really would work well with this guy over here. So we'll do those kinds of swaps. We might not remember in some cases who actually wrote the thing in, in the first place, but we also right. have this built in knowledge of what we were going for because of all those conversations. So having a third, fourth party kind of look at that and say, I have no idea what you're going for, explain it to me. And then they'll say something like, Well, then write that. And then we can write that. And so gotcha. that's an essential part of turning what it would be a homebrew kind of notebook that you keep at your own game table into a product that you, that, that's useful in the hands of an audience. Like, gotcha. uh, and, uh, that's kind of how our process goes.
0: Again, I know you got some stretch goals. We're going to talk about those in just a minute, but right now, like, what are we looking at? Like page count? And like, how big is the book and and when can people expect it? Like right now, again, I know Stretch Goals might change that a little bit, but what are we looking at right now for um, delivery? Sure. Yeah. So the campaign runs until September 20th.
1: We want to have the book out uh, again. it's digital only, there's no hard copies, but we want to have it in hands uh, by November. So, you know, again, we'll be finishing up uh, all of our playtesting right around the time the campaign ends, and then we want to turn it around within two months.
0: Okay. Um, and then, so as far as, so again, page count, I don't know if you, did you mention like, what are we looking at right now?
1: Oh, no, I did. You know, you're right. I didn't mention the page count. So even when we did like kind of the rough drafts on the subclasses and kind of like ran them through uh, affinity, which is the tool that we're doing to do the PDF layout. Uh, it, even just the 12 subclasses itself, were pushing close to 50 pages with some of the narrative, of that stuff in them. So as stretch goals go out, that's going to add more, you know, we've already hit our backgrounds and feats stretch mm-hmm. goal. Um, and so that's probably going to be another 10 pages or on more top of it. So you're certainly looking 50 plus safely. Yeah. Yeah. If we can keep Lee when he can check, it'll be 10 pages. <laughs> if, uh, if not, then it could be more who knows. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you're definitely looking at 50 pages plus. So, so um, again, two questions I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I don't forget them as I ask them, cause I will do that. Uh, so let's talk about the, the stretch goals. Cause we're there now. So you've already hit your backgrounds and feet. The next one up, which isn't that far away, is Magic and mundane items. So, what's the quick pitch for what we're adding there?
1: Sure, uh, stuff. It's all stuff uh, for all of your creatures. You know, um, you know. Again, we're kind of tailoring all of these stretch goal, all the stretch goal content to the subclasses, and so you know, there'll be uh, specific items that are kind of geared for one particular subclass, but you know, uh, but also might be more general use uh, to like the entirety of the Metropolitan set, stuff like that. So. You know, but it's going to be all the stuff, all the gear. We love toolkits. Uh, if anybody read the Traveler's Guide to the Multiverse, like we love like toolkits and various toolkits. We really secretly love mundane items. Like magic items are great and powerful. It's really easy to make wondrous items and everything like that. But really great mundane items that have flavor and have utility are uh, yep. are really kind of where it's at. So, all
0: right, and then we get through that. The next one's NPCs. So I assume we're probably looking at twelve fleshed out NPC
3: characters, maybe. Give or take, yeah. Uh, I think uh, in that section, the idea there is um, really to get people thinking about those adventure hooks. Um, we want to have the NPCs that kind of go along with these characters and stories that we've imagined or or have in our heads, and then we'll uh, and, and and then we'll have this situation where these NPCs are out there, so you can take them. In some cases, NPC versions of of some of the abilities and features, maybe even uh, feats and things uh, that we've got. So you can kind of use those at your table. Storytellers can tell urban adventures uh, if they have NPCs that are leaning towards that way. They can tell outlander adventures if they have creatures in some cases, uh, monsters in some cases, uh you know the beast mind that Josh mentioned he connects with beasts so there might be some additional beasts that aren't currently already out there that would be okay. that would be available
0: all right and then after that you're looking at adventure hooks and then right now your last stretch goal is custom maps let's let's say people go wild you start getting a ton of backers is there something else ready to go for another stretch goal or do you want to get there when you get there
2: oof just your oof answers it for itself. It's, it's, we'll get there when we get there. We don't have another one planned, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And that, and that's totally fine. I mean, again, like, it, you don't want to add too much complexity and it's fine. I was just curious if you had like secretly, if you get to like $8,000, this is going to happen, sort of like, you know, pie in the sky sort of thing.
1: I mean, maybe if we
0: get over uh, – maybe
1: if we hit like $2,500, we'll have to do like a Vulture of Ooh. Dread uh, custom creature, um, something like that. So I think that that could – To be honest, I mean, that, I mean we did 12 subclasses on
2: purpose so that we could put the Michael's roll table in the front for when he can't decide which one he wants to play.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh. So like so which one you go, you roll a D12, and that tells you which subclass yeah, you yeah, play. Yep. Yeah. I love it. So one last question. Well, I, I got a couple about this, the nuts and bolts of the Kickstarter. Again, I'm not an expert, but I, I look at a lot of them and I'm just curious about things. So your initial goal was $500. So what is that money for? And paying yourselves is a completely acceptable answer for that. But like, was there earmarked for certain things? It looks like you've already got art. So I assume you've already paid for that out of pocket. Yeah. So like, why was that your goal? What is that money paying for?
2: So it's, it's, going to say, pretty much it was hitting some of our marketing that we set up and contracted prior to the Kickstarter launching. First goal was set to recoup costs for art and promotion. That's it. I mean, that that's what the base goal was. Everything after that is helping us do additional totally art or get a little bit better quality going somewhere and either paying for some more maps or, mm. you know, whatever to get us ready for our next project. But yeah, the first one was all about just meeting costs.
0: Paying yourself is completely like so there's this weird sort of thing in the industry where paying yourself is for some reason looked out looked down yeah. upon and it's sh- that should be the first thing you look at. <laughs> the rec- you recoup your costs. Because as someone who's does conventions and is working on their own right. game, absolutely my my costs are built into my yeah, kitchen. And I doors.
2: look forward to the day when we can actually pay ourselves where you know we we make enough that, that we <laughs> <Exactly. can. laughs>
0: I'm not I'm not there yet either, but yeah, I'm with you on that. So yeah, as of right now, recording, we got 32 days to go. Um, this will probably be out in a couple of days. So you're looking at roughly probably four weeks left on your campaign. Uh, and you've already funded, you've hit first retro goal. You're not far from your second. So let's talk about the pledge levels. Again, I like the nuts and bolts of the Kickstarter. If somebody wants to jump in and support you, but they've never heard of you before, they don't know what quality you normally bring what's the cheapest way they can jump in and support you beyond just a donation because there's sure. always that option. So
1: this is actually one thing that I'm really, really proud of. And again, kind of really goes to the DNA of what our show is about and what who we are and what we try to do. Um, one thing that was really important to us was making sure that price point was not an issue for people that wanted to go ahead and support the Kickstarter. That thought the idea was cool and thought that we were cool enough to go ahead and actually support, but the price point, uh, that they couldn't get the price point. So we decided to go ahead and offer community copies. Um, community Community copies—you can get them for half off um, the the normal price that we're asking. So normally the campaign is asking for twelve dollars for the book, and that includes all stretch goals and everything like that. Um, or you can get a community copy uh, for six dollars. You know, uh, the and the option is on the other side too that after you've backed, um, you can uh, you can opt to put another community copy back into the fold. Uh, as an add-on after the fact. so But $6 is the basic mm-hmm. copy, is the community copy rather. Uh, the basic pledge level is, is $12.
0: And then I always like the opportunity for people who just have more money than cents because there are those <laughs> people out there. So I love it when a Kickstarter has that sort of like, no one's ever going to back it, but my God, what if they did? So what is your top tier angel investor level on your Kickstarter?
3: This is something that I I, I actually uh, lobbied for and was pretty pleased with. And this is the uh, legendary game with us bundle. Basically, it's a situation where you and up to five of your closest friends uh, at a pledge level of $150, uh, not only get all of the uh, items within the Kickstarter, all the stretch goals, all of that, you get uh, the T-shirts for them as well. And you get to have a, a game. It'll be virtual because not uh, uh, unless somebody actually lives local to one of us <laughs> right. And that, puts, I guess we could do one. Yeah. We local. have a play in person. Yeah. Yeah. Be happy to do so. Um, but it, at any rate, you get a, a game run by one of the three of us. A, and we've talked about kind of what those games would be. But I think honestly, the answer is we would run the game that that group wanted to to be run. So if you say I want to do this, we'll find a way to to make that happen. Um, the idea mm-hmm. is we just wanted to game with more people, game with more folks, and honestly, one hundred and fifty dollars split amongst uh, five people, six people, not that much. Yep. Um, they get a free t shirt. It, yeah, it's the kids get a free t shirt. So it's it's actually it. Honestly, you're you're buying a t shirt and getting a game.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. No, again, I, again, as someone who does a lot of Kickstarters, don't shy away from that. Creators put that thing in there because someone might pay for it. So it's always a good idea to have that. And again, honestly, 150 bucks isn't that much for a custom game for you and your, you know, four or five friends, plus the free t-shirt, plus you're getting the actual product. That's almost too low in my opinion. So we've talked a lot about what the thing is. You got roughly four weeks left again. There'll be links in the show notes to get people to your website, to your podcast, um, to the Kickstarter, of course, itself. Um, we got 12 different subclasses, one for each of the primary classes that come in the game. Wizard is obviously the best, (laughs) uh, but Lee Wanika, other than wizard,
3: what is your favorite subclass? Well, Josh stole my thunder earlier in the show, but, uh, (laughs) I would have to say uh the beast mind, but since that was already discussed in great detail, I will actually say uh, it's a pair. it's the ruffian and, ruffian and the enforcer, enforcer. yeah <laughs> uh there were two subclasses written quite separately, but amazingly they came together they so perfectly. Each other so well, like guy. they are they it, they, it is one of the most, the greatest compliments I've seen in writing. Um, if you're not, if you, if one person at your table is playing one of them, find somebody else who wants to play the other. The fighter uh, enforcer is, if I were to give you the uh, the uh, Reader's Digest version, it's a fighter who works with thieves, so he has a lot of thief like qualities. Okay and if i were to give you the reader's digest of the of the ruffian it is the ro- is the rogue who is the burly one he's the one mm-hmm. uh that that does that does the fighting he he's not a finesse kind of character not a charisma kind of character but he's the rough and tumble
0: he doesn't pick your pocket he rolls you on the street exactly. and exactly. takes it off your body and you have this
3: great you get have this great mer- merging where they kind of Cross each other in this beautiful venn diagram of of excellence and uh i love those two character subclasses so much and i can't wait to actually play one of them alongside the other one in some kind of long-term campaign because i think that would be immeasurable amounts of fun
0: So Glenn, again, I I kind of forced your hand at the beginning with saying wizard is the best because it is. Uh, So taking wizard off the table, what is your favorite of these subclasses?
2: That's like asking me to choose amongst my children. You realize this, right?
0: (laughs) Well, I have two children and I do have a favorite. I know Uh, everyone does. I don't have a
2: favorite child. I have four (laughs) of them.
0: You can't see that, but Glenn's winking very obviously into the
2: camera. (laughs) So I I will ignore the disparaging marks being cast at me. And, uh. So my favorite after that would probably be, uh, and it's still College of Correspondence is probably the one that I put, I've put the most passion into. It's the one I've been working on okay. the longest. So I, I very much, the Bard College of Correspondence is uh, a bard of the people, right? They, for one, the College of Correspondence helps run a bardic mail network throughout a kingdom if you want that in your game, right? The correspondent, the, uh, bard of correspondence called correspondence kind of have two roles in a kingdom. One is they literally are the far starters who go out to the smallest villages in the t- up in the mo- foothills of the mountains to perform at weddings and festivals while also delivering the mail. You know, so you got a little postman action in there, uh, and collecting letters. But the other side of what they do, their art form is writing it's speechcraft. it's um argumentative writing so kind of like when you go back to our forefathers and you're looking at the letters that alexander hamilton and ben franklin and the founding fathers wrote constantly that were being published in newspapers and and periodicals to help shape the thoughts of the nation based on not just their opinions but the people around them it's kind of what the college of correspondence does is it stands up for the little guy and they'll even take on the government through political channels if they have to, whether it's um, writing speeches for, you know, politicians for change or writing letters for whatever publications are available in the kingdom to represent the issues that are going on for the common man. Um, So there's a whole lot there to unpack and I'm not really certain that verbally I just did it justice, but.
0: (laughs) I think I'm with you. Well, you mentioned the postman. So that that had me there. I think that's a criminally underrated movie. So I'm going to go to you, Josh, here at the end. Again, I I kept you waiting long at the beginning. I'm going to give you, here here you have all the runway you need. I feel like we've covered the Kickstarter pretty well. People know what it is. They know where to go. They know how much it'll cost. What didn't we cover that you think is important? This is sort of the last chance. Circle back around. What did we not yet say that you want? Oh, they need to know this if there's one thing that will push them over the edge to come get them to back your project, what would that thing be? You know, if there's one thing that I hope came across in this interview,
1: um, and if it didn't, I will say it uh, out loud, is that we are super passionate about creating this content uh, and creating all the content that we have been able to go ahead and and turn out over the last year. You know, we, we just love doing this, you know? Um, And uh, we're really, we're very passionate about it. And I hope that that comes through if, and you know, uh, and if anybody, again, I mentioned this earlier, the Traveler's Guide to the Multiverse, which was our last book. If any of your listeners read that book or saw that book, there is an entire set of subclasses in this Kickstarter um, that, emerged from lore from that Uh, that's the the basis for the shadow dweller set um they're all based on kind of some of the lore and stories that were in that book um so if you like kind of that dark magic kind of sinister sort of stuff um we have a a warlock a subclass uh, warlock a sorcerer subclass and uh and a clerical uh, order of prophecy uh subclass in that set that are dark and spooky by intention and uh and really very very cool but um we love doing this. We just love doing this. Like that's really, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to is that we love doing this. And uh, yeah, we have every intention of putting out just an amazing product for you. So
0: I think that's another thing that Kickstarter provides for people is I, I truly hope that anyone listening will go and check out your Kickstarter and like, take a look at it. Maybe it's for them. Maybe it's not. But if even if this, the content isn't something that you're interested in, it's worth giving some money to support these people. They're they're doing it because they love it. They have a lot of passion for it. And so, yes, go buy it, play it, love it. But even if it's not for you, a couple bucks towards a Kickstarter as someone who's currently running one, that goes a very long way. So please consider a donation if you don't. Or just put six bucks so that someone else can get that community copy. That would be a great, like I can't buy it, but I'll support you at that level. So consider a six dollar donate. Anyone who's listening, go. Throw at least six bucks at them. Thank you very much for that, Michael. Appreciate that. Yeah, of course. And again, I I <laughs> truly mean that because I know how much yeah. it means to me. I absolutely hope we can get some yeah. people there. So with that, I'll give everybody just kind of briefly <laughs> uh, to say goodbye. If you, if Lee England, you want to throw in one last thing to, um, or where people can go find you, any of that sort of wrap up stuff. You know how it works, your podcaster. So Lee, kind of last words here. Anything else you want to add?
3: I just want to say thank you very much for the uh, opportunity to come talk about the project. Uh, I love tabletop games. I love talking about them. Um, Josh is uh, frequently saying that uh, our podcast is essentially a version of what we've been doing for thirty years: sitting on people's couches, appalling them because that's all that's all we talk about. Uh, and uh, podcasting and being on shows like this uh, is a great way to kind of get that out. So we're not doing that on people's couches anymore. We're doing that in their cars, right. in their ears, or in their shower, wherever they listen to us. No, but um,
2: there is no I mean, escape.
3: Yeah, we're, we're omnipresent. I I love this hobby, and I love this community, and uh, I love the opportunity to provide something and provide content that this community can use to have, build great memories at their tables. That's what this is all about, really. My lifelong friends, most of them I met at a game table, or a game campfire, uh, <laughs> as it were. Um, and if I, if any one thing that we put in this project does that for another group, then we've done our jobs.
0: And then I would just again quickly say to you: Do not start your own convention. <laughs> but if you do, talk to me first because I can save you some of the headaches that I learned. I, I can't tell you exactly how to do it because I'm still making make sense as I go, but I can keep you out of some of the worst pitfalls that you'll hit early on. I, I'll at least do that All for right. you. Sorry, Josh. All right, Glenn. Final words here. What do you want people to know? Where can they find you? Anything you want to wrap up with?
2: So, yeah, it's been great. Thanks very much for having us on the show. Lee said it really well when he was uh, talking about, you know, people find something in this book that becomes their favorite thing, which is kind of quoting Jimmy Flowers a little bit uh, from Splinterverse. But that that's really what we're in it for. If anybody who backs our Kickstarter and winds up with our product finds something in there that makes their game better then it was all worth it yeah. um we're gonna let josh do the where do you find us?" thing because he has it all memorized well and does it I quick do. and doesn't flub it whereas <laughs> we we'll, we both would stumble over it like crazy yeah. um but thank you very much for having us on the show and you know like like michael said throw us six bucks you won't re- well all right you might regret it but yeah. you won't regret it too much
1: no no you won't you'll love it uh, a-
0: absolute pleasure to have you on welcome back anytime.
1: Yeah, so here, here's the nitty gritty. I'll go ahead and throw that out there. So the best way to go ahead and find the Kickstarter super easy. Just go to www.ttjourneys.com slash kickstarter
3: I'll bring you right there. Excellent,
0: Lee. Did you have something?
3: Uh, yeah, I was I was gonna say uh, the six dollars is better than uh, two triple cheeseburgers at McDonald's. So um, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. you get a lot more fun out of this, and your doctor doesn't yell at you. Yeah,
1: our game won't give you the run. I'm just saying. That's that's, that's what, like, that, that's a subtitle well, again, right there. Our
2: game won't give you the our runs. Our game so won't give you the runs. Yeah. I'll give you the runs. We'll put that on the cover.
0: <laughs> I, I'm starting to get an idea for a different subclass. <laughs> hopefully you've heard everything you need to know to go check it out. There will be links in the show notes to their website, to their podcast, to the Kickstarter, all that kind of good stuff. So please, please, please at least check it out. Take a look at it. If it looks like something you think would be fun, support it. And hopefully next year, we'll have the three of them oh, at wait. Con. we'd love to be there uh, i would love yep. to have you there hang out we can do some live shows yeah. it'll be great and then leave you can see how awful it is on <laughs> me at the time which will help reinforce not to do this
3: yeah
0: um so quickly as for myself of course michael you can find almost everything i do at the rpg academy you can email the show at the RPG the rpg academy at gmail.com tom normally hands- handles the show and tells but we both kind of go back and forth but if you have a product that you're working on or a project that you're about to launch and it's roughly six to eight weeks away please email the show if there's a, if we can we'll get you on we'll give you some uh, some marketing let you know get in front of additional people And if there's just one you love even if you didn't create it but you think, hey this is a cool project I wish more people knew about it you can email us as well either for a show and tell or we might cover it on our TTRPG crowdfunding review show because it helps me find ones if people can put them in front of my face. Uh, But I think that will wrap it up here. So we will sign off as we always do. Just remember if you're having fun, you're you're doing doing it right. right. (laughs) Thanks. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or RPG, consider using our affiliate links first. And then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook.